This is Coda Radio, episode 199 for April 4th, 2016. Welcome to Coder Radio, Jupiter Broadcasting's weekly talk show taking a pragmatic look at the art and business of software development and related technologies. This episode is brought to you by our two fine sponsors, DigitalOcean and Linux Academy. My name is Chris, and joining us every single week is our host, the powerful and yet somehow contained just in the East Coast, but by the power of this podcast worldwide. Yes, folks, it's Mr. Dominic. Hello, Mike! Hello, sir. How are you? Mr. Fisher, I am fantastic. <laughs> good. That's good. You sound you sound pretty good. Did you get did you get some good sleep last night? Yes, I did. I I was told that I slept as though I were dead. Hmm. You know, I was told very politely this morning, actually speaking of sleep, you know, you were snoring last night. Um, but it was it was fairly quiet. It was it wasn't too bad. I'm like, oh, okay. So now I got to keep track and see if that can turn if that gets into it turns into a complaint. The, the snoring thing, you know, when I'm tired, I I sometimes have been known to snore, especially uh, like on a hard weekend, which I had one of those. I I played hard this weekend. The kids and I and uh, uh, Hadia, my lady, and we just went out to these amazing parks. They were fantastic. Lots of hiking, Mike. I'm not super in good shape, so I'm a little worn out right now. But I am pretty stoked to be here. However, I haven't had family contacting me like you have. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. Now, we've got to talk about this. So listen, folks, we have a really great show coming up. Uh, as you know, some big things were announced at Build. So this is kind of, this show will actually have an interesting arc. Uh, we're going to start uh, with uh, with an interesting story from Mr. Dominic. Then I have a little Linux open source. Actually, it's just open source. It's not even Linux. I have an open source thing to discuss with you. Then we're going to get pretty heavy into Build and some of the big stuff uh, uh, that came out that is sort of applicable to this show. And then I'm really curious to pick Mike's brain on how he thinks this is going to influence the business. And then we're going to kind of wrap up on a Linux note. So the arc of the show is pretty interesting. But we start maybe with our most interesting note, the thing that was causing Mike to get concerned emails on Facebook from family members over the weekend. He wrote a piece online. Three pieces, actually. <laughs> Now, were they all for liberal America or just? Indeed, they were. <laughs> well, there was a bunch for Dominic M too, but uh, the the Get non, you know, self published. Out of here! <laughs> yeah. Uh, so now, for most of you, uh, that might not be too weird, but for Mister Dominic, it's a bit out of step or character. However, uh, I, I have heard rumors of seeing him at a Bernie rally or two recently as well. So, and you never know. The topic, however, was pretty important. FBI and Apple reach a ceasefire over privacy concerns. I assume you're probably talking about uh, this whole FBI, Apple. Yes, with, with their good friends at Celebrite, helping them crack that baby open. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then, and now the FBI, I think it came out yesterday, is has told that local authorities, like you know, for local cases, that they will help them unlock iPhones. Well, you know, much like Santa Claus, the FBI is <laughs> flying around the world saying – you got a phone? I got it. Come here. Just give it to me. I'll unlock it. Great. Got a phone? I got it. We'll unlock it. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah. That is probably, uh, you know, like this uh, – it, it is actually – I know for a fact because I read, I read the notice from the FBI that they, that they published and – um, like, need help? Call us. Here's a 1-800 number. <laughs> actually, it's, it's interesting, Mike. It was, it was more dramatic than that. It, it, word for word, you guys can look this up. It I, used, I term, direct, yeah, used terminology this, like yeah. – we're with – yeah, we're, we're with this. We're, we're in this with you. We're going we're gonna to fight this fight with you. you. Did you read this too? You read it? I read it, yeah. It was very like something horrible happened and you – know, We're going to make it through this together. We will, we will crack those iPhones for you. We, we will find a way through this dark period. That's, it, that's it was, how it's written. Yeah, it was weirdly – From the it, FBI. Talking about bring your iPhones in, everybody. We're going to crack them, <laughs> and, that's, and that's how they worded the announcement. It's we are living in a very interesting time where there are people who are technically proficient and they understand the good and bads, the pros and cons, and then there are people in positions of power who very, very much do not understand technology and they appear to be very scared of it. So interesting. So how did it feel to, to sit down and write like that? Was a good? Was it sort of a good diversion from uh, 
hacking well, away at, uh, at an app you know, all weekend? You know, it, it was a nice diversion. Um, I, I wrote, actually wrote three pieces for them. One was about how you'll be interested in this, actually, Chris, and this is more of an unfiltered topic. I don't know if you covered it or not. That the government now wants you to have to register and show government ID and uh, basically utility, right, where you live information to buy a burner phone. Ah, uh, yes, we did just start covering yep. that. Yeah. Now I'm hoping this doesn't go too far, but that's an interesting. Uh, I from as a parent, this story also bothers me because yep. uh, I don't really want to get my kids phones uh, anytime soon. But we're, when we're going hiking or something like that, it would be nice to just say, "Hey, take this with you just sure. in case." There's a uh, burner, right? Yeah. Yeah, um, especially like when I have Ting and I can, I can have GSM sims that I could have at here at the studio that if I just go grab a burner phone that works on Ting, I can pop that in there. And it's like it's so hassle free. It is the awesomest thing. And I'm not yeah. using it to avoid anything. It's tied to my personal Ting account. Well, uh, my uh, yeah, my angle on it was twofold. One, you know, since when does wanting privacy mean that you're up to no good? The other aspect of it. What about all these folks who are here undocumented? Right. Who? You know, a, a smartphone or really any cell phone is such a part of basic life and basic personal safety in the inner city in particular that denying, uh, you know, potentially who knows how many people access to them. You may actually be – I don't want to get too graphic, but, you know, if you have a phone on you and something terrible is about to happen, you can call 911 and hopefully hopefully get some help, right? If you don't, then the world is not set up to help you anymore. There's not pay phones on every corner anymore. Yeah, it's, that's uh, a great point. There's, right. there's folks, really you know, not folks without documentation. Folks who maybe don't have a W two to show, and are you know you know very, I'm talking very poor people. So. I like the verbiage they used. Uh, the uh, the bill is called closing the prepaid mobile device yeah. security act of 2016. Um, and you know, you said something there that I feel like uh, people that are listening from a position of some privilege, whatever it might be, might have maybe rolled their eyes at you said that the say the smartphones are critical to their daily lives and even um safety that really has rung true to me recently as uh, i've met several folks uh when i'm uh, where i where i live that their only computer now for a couple of years has been their smartphone they have access to pcs or at work or they might have like one laptop that they could call on that's super old but uh everything mike from from uh, people were um, um, doing the uh, the healthcare, uh, you know, the, uh, shopping on the exchanges on their freaking phones. You know, they're doing they're buying all their Christmas presents for their family on their phones. Everything is literally on their phone, and they're not they're not. Uh, I wouldn't even some of the people that I've I'm thinking of. Uh, they you know they probably make nearly hundred thousand dollars a year or or somewhat. I mean, I, I, I imagine they live somewhat comfortable for themselves because they make quite a good living and they. Uh, they choose to live fairly cheaply, and then they don't see the need for a lot of computers. I, I guess I, I haven't really got into it with them, but just but just watching them now for several months because they live in the community that I live in, uh, it has been really interesting to see how how normal that is for them to only use their phone and not to have a PC and and not to see a need for it. Uh, and so um, it has really struck in me that. We are maybe the minority where I have uh, two laptops in front of me right now as I record this show. Yeah, I, I think, um, you know, a lot of these things, I, and, and the reason I started doing this writing, and, and, and I will tell you the hilarious story behind how I ended up writing for a liberal website, um, the untrue hilarious story, of course, is it's so funny. Like if you follow bills that congressmen are trying, and women, of course, are trying to pass, it's almost like everybody's grandmother just heard about an iPhone and is having a panic attack in slow motion, right? It, it, it's very weird. And th- this bill that I, that I talked about in that article last week is one of many, right? It is not the only one that is trying to – now, this is the only one targeting prepaid devices and, and the chat rooms, right? really shouldn't call them burners. Right. That does imply Burner is a, is criminal like a, activity. Yeah, it's yep. a drug – I, I, I just – like I said, as a parent, I could see a very good use in them. Ironically, the phone that they used for the uh, the editor put as the cover, I literally had that LG Verizon phone. Yeah, I think I've had that one years too. Years ago. Yeah. Right, because everybody had it. It was parade with Verizon. Yeah, yeah. Dude, and it had the color screen on the front. That was a right, big deal back like then. So like you could see a picture <laughs> on the front. But. It was a clamshell where you could see who's calling. That's amazing. You know, there is – there's a tide coming in of all these very odd bills. And, it, and it's a bipartisan activity, by the way. It, it does not 
a Republican or Democratic only. It is not a liberal or a conservative thing. There, this wave is coming of, okay, well, if we, we can't get a law that says we're going to break encryption, then we need you to be registered every time you buy something. You know, I think, Mike, this happens in all industries, in all areas, and we just maybe don't see it as much because we don't pay as close attention to those, right. but we pay pretty close attention to this one because really what we're talking about is restrictions on computing devices, restricting computing in a way that we never have before because I think we could accept the notion that these smart devices – and in some cases, some of these burner devices are just feature phones. That's very common, but let's be honest. That's beginning to change now. So just give this a couple of years after this thing has a chance to take effect. These things are going to be legitimate Android devices. They'll probably be running gingerbread or something. Well, they already are, actually. Yeah. No, I know. They are now. I know. But all of them will get there. Like, yeah. not all of them are. Some of them are lit almost just about like that LG. Uh, but some of them are like full-fledged Android devices. And more of them, more of them will be. And also, you know what else is... The concept of a burner, I think, is going to go away. I think, you know, they really, if they want to get ahead of the game, should be thinking about data lines and lines to people because uh, as soon as you give me, as soon as you take away my ability to buy a burner phone, all right, well, then I'll get a burner SIM and I'll put in a tablet or something. I mean, how are you going to, what are you going to do to prevent that? You're going to make another law to stop, you know, the disposable tablet law of 2016? You know, what's what's interesting is that the the spirit of what the senator wants, um, I'm sorry, this representative congressman wants, is to not have you buy mobile devices without identification, right? But in the bill itself is a fundamental misunderstanding (laughs) of like, I don't need an actual phone number to do telephony activities, right? I could very easily just, you know, Get Skype under a fake name, right? You get, really. or you get one, one. Yeah. Uh, anyways, it's an interesting yeah. discussion, Mike. Um, yeah, I, we don't need to. You know, this is the topic of the show. I just wanted to one. Oh, so let's talk about Rachel Maddow and cocaine for just one second. Oh yeah, how did you? So how did you end up writing for this? So I was in Chelsea, New York last week, and uh, you know I was doing belly shots with Geraldo Rivera, sure, Rachel Maddow, yeah, and Anderson Cooper. You know, the funny thing about Anderson Cooper, did you notice that every time he walks into a place, everybody like sort of freaks out? Oh my gosh, it's Anderson Cooper! Did you experience that? Well, let me tell you, that man will drink you under the table. Yeah, man. He is, I think that's how he gets all his uh, uh, 360 exclusives. And he also wears a flak jacket everywhere, Hmm. which is weird. That's good. Um, You know what? I'm glad you had a much better experience because uh, realsies, real talk, when Wolf Blitzer rolls into a place, he brings the wolf pack with him. That's a real thing. (laughs) Yes, that's, that's, yes. And yes. and they be smoking weed, and they want they want everybody around them smoking weed. So you better watch out when Wolf rolls in. So I think running in with Anderson is probably the better way to go. Plus, he doesn't like to stay out too late because he's got to get his beauty sleep. Wow. <laughs> it's all true. It's all true. It is all true. Yeah. It's like a biker gang of progressive elder statesmen. <laughs> I don't know how we got here. Okay, so so you so you ended up writing for this paper. Are you going to keep doing it? Uh, I, I, do you I, feel like it's a good outlet from work? You know, it's interesting because uh, my voting record would not suggest that I would be writing for a liberal online publication. But more and more, I find that I'm I'm I feel a, a heat, Chris. A, sort of like a burning sensation. Yes, like a fire, like a. I, 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 I'm just going to combust. I'm going to burn alive. Uh-huh, uh-huh. You see what I'm going with this? I, are, are, you, are you really telling me this? Is this really happening right now? It's <laughs> actually true, yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, I never expected to hear that from you. And, 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 and Fisher knows, Chris knows that I was, a, a, I was down with my Mormon brother, Mitt Romney, last round. Yes, yes, I do, I do. And I'm very, very much against the current president. So. Well, I will tell you what. You would be welcome here in Washington. Uh, there was a, a huge, huge, huge uh, swing for Bernie here in the uh, in the Washington. You so. know what the problem? You know what Bernie Sanders' problem really is? He's got delegates. He's got you know Jimmy Olsen, Lois Lane, Lana Lane, Lex Luthor. But there's one delegate uh-huh. that isn't going his way. Oh, and there's a whole lot of them. We call them super delegates. That's true. That is, or as I call them, folks who Hillary Clinton has nudie pictures of. <laughs> folks who Hillary Clinton has been working since two thousand and eight. Speaking though of the government, did you see that the U.S. government has committed to publicly publish finance software under free software licenses? 
Uh, at least that's the goal. Uh, at the end of last week, the White House published a uh, draft for a source code policy. The policy requires every public agency to publish their custom-built software as free software for other public agencies as well as the general public to use, study, share, and improve the software. That's both good and very destructive. <laughs> yeah, it'd be interesting to see where that goes. I, but yeah, hmm. Yeah. Speaking of free software, why don't we start sure. off our build coverage really, really quickly uh, with a, another free thing, Zamarian. Oh, Xamarin. It's called Xamarin. I'm sorry, what? Here we go again. Xamarin. I, it's like, like Xeno Warrior Princess. Xamarin. Oh, so it's Zamarian. No! Okay, I got it. I got it. I got it. I got no it. No extra eye. No, I got it for real. I got it. I got it. Right. Don't, don't worry about it. Get it out of here. So this is interesting because we were just talking about the pricing two, three weeks ago. <laughs> yes. And here we are. Big old freezies across the board. Uh, in fact, they've even uh, open sourced under MIT license the runtime as well. You know what's not free though? Can can you can you can you take a stab at what's not been freed up? Uh, Xamarin Test Club. Well, yes. Best I can tell, uh, also, like, the uh, the iOS and Android development. Still free. Oh, you mean open source. Yes, not open source. Yeah, so the tools and the individual platform code are not open source. That's correct. They're proprietary. But the core of Xamarin will be some sort of open source. I think MIT is correct. But more important than that, Chris, free, as in free. Yeah, this is a big deal. It was because it went from what it was. It was pretty expensive before. It um, was it, yeah. I mean, it was like two thousand dollars a seat if you yeah. wanted both platforms. Yeah. yeah, that is a huge. That is a huge deal. Uh, and so I got to imagine that's going to have impacts on you and your future projects. So before we jump into that, I'm going to mention our first sponsor, and that is the folks over at Digital Ocean. Use the promo code. Coder Digital, one word, boop, 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 put it together, all lowercase, to get yourself a credit over DigitalOcean. They're a simple cloud hosting provider dedicated to offering the most intuitive and easy way for you to spin up a system up in the cloud in like no timesies. I'm serious, like less than 55 seconds and pricing plans start at only $5 a month. $5 a month for an incredible rig on their incredible infrastructure. So check this out, for $5, I mean $5 guys for the entire month. 512 megabytes of RAM, a 20 gigabyte SSDs. They're all SSDs at each tier. One CPU and a terabyte of transfer, and it just steps up very simply from there. And they got data centers in New York, San Francisco, Singapore, Amsterdam, London, Germany, Toronto. But that interface, that interface is so good. Oh, I don't know how they do it. I think they went to the future. They talked to designers that figured out all of our UI woes in web applications and managing huge, crazy infrastructures. And they traveled back in time. And they created the DigitalOcean interface, and they're like, you know what else? We've got to go back one more time. And they said, no, we can't. It'll, it'll destroy the time machine if we go back one more time. They said, no, we've got to go back to the future one more time because we need an amazing, straightforward API. And so they did it. They sacrificed the time machine, and they came back with an amazing, straightforward API, which has resulted in tons of open source code built around that API so you can take advantage in all kinds of ways. Or you can snap into some of the libraries that exist or just write your own application and love, 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 love their community tutorials. Go check them out. Go give them hugs and kisses. They are good. There's already ones coming in for Ubuntu 16.04. Lots for Let's Encrypt if you want to integrate that with your build. Check them out. Go deploy an app and use the promo code, Code or Digital, over at DigitalOcean.com. And a big thank you to DigitalOcean for sponsoring the Coder Radio program, Coder Digital. And thanks, you guys, for using that. It keeps us going. Okay. So, Mike, I got to imagine uh, Microsoft freeing up some of the tools along with some of the other announcements are uh, building towards some kind of got to be some sort of shift for you. Some sort of like, OK, this changes the game for me or this makes it worth this reduces the risk in investing. Are you starting to feel that momentum building? So I am Xamarin is a delicate topic where I am right now. Um, the reason for that is I like it because C sharp is pretty. And I think, yes. Yeah, oh, by the way, my prediction post from February that Chris just put on the screen. Boom. Say it with me. Called it. Called it. Why don't they just hire me? I don't. Well, because they figured you got a great job right here calling stuff already. Maybe uh, what they're doing, dude, is maybe. Oh, man. I hope they're not just like listening to the show and just ripping, ripping us off. Just yeah. Like sitting there. They should yeah. give us a little something, something. We should. We'll, we'll, we'll need to investigate. They, did, they just gave us the full Xamarin platform. Oh! oh. <laughs> okay, all right. You're welcome, everybody. Uh, so, you know, this is really interesting, right? Because the problems that I've 
been recorded and in writing have said about Xamarin all kind of stem from the product, in particular Xamarin Forms, didn't have enough support and kind of didn't make sense. Well, there's two real important things about Microsoft buying them and listening to you know, the Xamarin people talk about it, the Microsoft people talk about it. One, they really, really aren't intending Forms to be the right ones, uh, run anywhere platform that they originally for like a week said it could be and then quickly changed their tune because it didn't work. And two, they're really doubling down on this. Xamarin is native. Now, I don't want to get into a huge debate on how do you define native, right? This isn't a Bill Clinton, what does is mean kind of situation. But let's just for a second stipulate, Chris, that we agree with them. That's saying because it uses the native API, because the code, the C-sharp code, compiles uh, into IL and then compiles into the native um, well, you, I'm losing it, Chris. The native binaries. Thank you. Here's what I would say before. I mean, because I know where you're going with this. Yeah. Uh, I think this is one of those nuances that matters to us and to the end this user. This is exactly where I'm going with it. Doesn't matter to them at all. So it's it. While while the answer does indeed matter in implementation and in in practice, it almost is. It is like doesn't matter. It's so funny. It's one of those issues that mat- that is it entirely matters, and yet in practice doesn't matter. <laughs> in my estimation, at least. What I'm – that's exactly right. And, and by the way, my – just because we are nerds, right, my position on this has kind of evolved. Originally, I was like, no, that is not how you define native in any way, shape, or form. And now I'm like, you know what? For all intensive purposes, I can say that that's native, right? I can say it compiles into native. You could do a little bit of a verbal shell game and sell it as native. Um, there are two reasons I'm actually pretty optimistic on Xamarin now. One being, I mean, Microsoft has money to make it not suck. I, I was trying to find a delicate way to say that, but money solves everything, Chris. I wouldn't just yeah. say that, too. Not only – so Microsoft has had a lot of things in their history that they've had the money to make it not suck and has just failed to really commit to it. Yeah, but that been, was all Steve Ballmer's fault. Satya Nadella will do it. Right. right it's now. all different now. Have, I, have you not read The Verge, damn it? <laughs> Where I'm going with this, though, is there are there are two types of – well, there's more than two. But there's often in big announcements like this, there's two types of commitments from Microsoft. One where they're actually committed to it from like a strategic long-term perspective and one where they're dipping their toes in the market and they kind of fail to give it the resources they need. And you can look back over Microsoft product cycles and figure out which ones those are. This, though – this definitely feels like this is a long-term play. This is big world. This is big strategy. This, and they said it. They said it. What this is, a, what this is, is a strategy to make Windows the platform you're going to do development for all of these things on. And that's really the goal here. And so this is just part of that. But because of part of that, it's an important strategy, and it's an important means to their overall ends. I think so. That means I think they're committed to it. Is that too convoluted, or do you follow me? Yeah, no, that's exactly where, where I'm going with Overall, and, and some things we're going to discuss in episode 200 coming up uh, in like an hour. Well, to, Microsoft, to, the, to them next week. Oh, to them next week. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be, um, you know, Microsoft is doing their damnedest to make Windows, or at least the Microsoft tool chain, the best development platform for Virtually everything. Now, right? before we go too far there, because I want to make that its own separate topic, what okay. do you think about real quick? I just – I had a – because especially, especially I think you know which one I want to make a dedicated topic for before I think you can probably guess. Uh, but there was something I wanted to play, if you don't mind. It's only two minutes long and it recaps a lot of the stuff from Build. And, it, and it, it's, it's kind of worth maybe discussing a couple of them before we get into some of the things they're introducing to Windows in future updates. Uh, so I'll just play a like. Just give me one, one quick second on the Xamarin. Thing. Yeah, yeah, sure, no problem. Get too far from it. Um, you know, I think that the, the reason I wanted to stipulate, let's just give them, let's just say, for the sake of this argument, that for all intents and purposes, you can tell someone Xamarin's native, even though you know maybe it's not. If you are a small dev shop and you are now positioning, you need a high end and a low end development thing you offer, right? So like. Ionic or some form of Cordova can be your volume business, meaning, and this is literally what I'm doing. When you say volume business, you mean like something you sort of template out and then and then you my, can... my, right. My idea would, would be anybody who just wants an app for their little small business or whatever, or for their club. Yeah. You know, this is something we do. If I talk to ten people, nine of them are getting that. Right. 
but the Staphog type or the larger type or anything that's huge and not specifically for one platform, right? Because it's a totally different ballgame if someone come on, comes in and says, I want an iPad Pro app. Mm. But if they say, I need a cross-platform app and I'm really interested in design and I'm interested in performance, well, then you have now almost like an upsell opportunity where Ionic and Cordova, whether or not it's actually technically accurate to say this, are the lower end option, although I do think in, in the case of Pure Cordova, it definitely is. Um, and Xamarin's likely, well, if you really want to do it upright and you want to have different UIs on different platforms. This is something you're really investing this in. This is what you would want to do without the pain of pure double native. Okay, but then what about the problem you've run into where the tools fail to deliver? So then you end up committing to doing a project and all of a sudden there's these weird esoteric issues you run into. See, what you really are betting on is future Xamarin development tools is what you're really betting on. You're well, not betting on where they're at right now, right? You're betting on a couple of things. One, you're going in with the understanding that Xamarin Forms is not what you want, right? So you're not using that. Remember, okay. my experience was that Xamarin Forms was the sloppy, crappy version of Xamarin. Yeah. Um, you're also huh. Huh. going in with the understanding that you're not sharing 100% of your code between the platforms. You're using the PCL strategy of the business logic is in this portable class library, which is what PCL means. And right. the UI layer, mm-hmm. so the activities, the view controllers mm-hmm. are all written which to is, the Which is one of the reasons why you, know, you would classify it as a higher investment type of development. Well, I mean, financially it would be, right? Yeah, There's exactly. no way around that. Right. If, you're, if you're billing by the hour, it's, it's significantly higher. That seems attractive to me. Um, you know, that seems really attractive. Yeah, and that seems reasonable, too. Like, if you're somebody saying, okay, I need an app that's designed for the iPad Pro, or we have a fleet of these uh, tabs de- devices, and we need an app designed for this, and we wanted to have a backend on our Microsoft server, a backend on our Linux server. Right. You know, you could look at that and say, okay, this makes a lot of sense here. And not only that, Mike, but... I mean, it really depends on who your audience is. I don't know, you know, who your client base is, but... Things like Cordova sounds neat, but they've never heard that before. But they've heard of Microsoft before. Well, yeah, and and so that's the other point, right? One, there's a ton of local businesses that you've never heard of, enterprise-style businesses that all run Microsoft, right? I mean, they they would love a Microsoft solution, and you know, I don't even know if they would love it. It's just if you the normal way people who don't really understand a topic make a decision is, well, I've heard of that before, and I've never heard of that before. And I, and I won't lose my job if I sign the And this order. guy, he's coming in with a bid. He's using something from a company called Microsoft, and I know they're big, and they're going to be around a long time. So if I spend X amount of dollars on this, at least he's using a tech I know is going to be around for a while. And not to imply anything like Cordova or anything is going to disappear, I am just simply – I am simply taking a stab at what I would imagine most people's – estimation would be when they're looking at like a like a, a proposal right and I, I just want to be fair right right now i'm doing a ton of just native android kind of stuff like so there's you know it's not to say that you should go and be a xamarin shop i think if but if you are already a native mobile developer you in a way have a big leg up on people from net trying to come over with xamarin you can say well, you know, we have the expertise in doing this on the native platform, and we think using the Xamarin solution that uses the same APIs and leverages the expertise we already have will save you X percent, whatever you work it out to be, because of that layer of shared code. Right? Yeah. Yeah, and and uh, not only that, but then, of course, they're going to look at that and go, okay, well, even if we decide to fire this guy's butt, somebody else is going to be able to step in and work on that, too, and that they can extend right, it. Or our four internal developers, our C-sharp developers, right? Yeah, right. You come in, you build it for us, and then they maintain it. Much that is a, That's a very possible scenario. Right. So that, that, those are my you know preliminary thoughts. I'm sure we'll talk about it a lot more. Um, so you know, it's a, so it ahead. does feel then like, um, I mean, it's not just one thing. Uh, in isolation. It's not just them uh, changing the price to free. It's not just... uh, Oh, it certainly helps, right? I mean, we talked about this a few weeks ago, that the market for mobile development has become, you know, on the one hand, much more mature, but also much more aggressive and competitive. But don't you think, too, I mean, don't you give some credit, too, that... uh, So setting the price to free seems like a very good immediate-term thing, but opensourcing.net... And, and changing the licensing to MIT and the model runtime and all of that, like from end to end now, this, this entire solution, this stack is, is, is 
free for you, for you to use. Uh, well-documented, uh, really well-documented, well-well-supported. We're going to talk about that later in the show, actually. Mike had a uh, – he was writing – you know, uh, well, you just have a real-world example that you tweeted about that I grabbed that we're going to talk about. It's very well-supported. Um, and then at the same time, you have this guarantee that uh, you're, you're essentially isolated from some amount of strategy tax because there could always be a fork if Microsoft goes crazy and decides to uh, embrace, extend, and, ex- and extinguish, and then all of a sudden people re- want to react. They could fork and – there could be. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I'm not saying I'm not saying it would happen, but I'm saying if there was a, if there was something dramatic that people didn't like, there is recourse for the community to take. I think there is. I, I mean, from a, as a developer, I love that. But, but that's that an insurance policy for you as is. a long term bet. That's all I'm saying. So yeah. that's a that's an advantage all around. Now. I mean, so I'm saying, well, yes, the price matters. I think it's all of the actions they've been taking for the for the last six months that really right. add up to fundamentally changing the equation now. It's kind of a big deal, I think. Um, all right, so uh, ready for a little build highlights of uh, funness? It was put out by Let's Microsoft. So this is the most important things that build, uh, according to Microsoft, by Microsoft, uh, at least for like the first day in build. So, But I think it's the stuff that's most applicable to our audience, too. You'll have to forgive the sort of, uh, well, that. We want Windows to be your home not just for developing apps for Windows, but for developing apps for all devices. That is a key line right there. Okay, that's and that I think actually explains a lot of what they're doing right now in terms of stuff we're about to talk about in the show. Good morning and welcome to Build 2016. It is the mobility of the human experience across all the devices and all the computing in our lives. We want Windows to be home for developers. Desktop app converter. We're making yeah, it up. easy for developers to bring the more than 16 million Win32 yeah, man. apps to the Windows Store. Lots of touch surface, uh, moving maps around. Is coming to Windows. Lots of 3D printing. More engaged than ever before. Spending over 75 billion hours on Windows 10. Creepy statistics. I'm pleased to announce Xbox Dev Mode. This is interesting. Giving developers the ability to convert the retail Xbox One into a development kit. That's actually pretty neat. Windows 10 has been out for eight months, and it's already being actively used by over 270 million people. We're going to be making Xamarin available at no extra charge to every Visual Studio customer. Yeah, that one got some attention. So they show off Visual Studio Update 2. There it is. And a preview of the anniversary SDK. We really want all devs to be able to quickly and easily integrate ink into their experiences and make the pen come alive. Because not only do we get to dream of the future, we get to build the future. I can't wait to see what you dream up hmm. and what you build. Thank you so very, very much. Have a fantastic build. So they want the Windows platform to be home of devs. So uh, quite, you know, quite a few things jumped out at me there. It's an interesting strategy. Only 100 views for that entire video. That's kind of interesting. Oh, oh. From the Windows blog, too. Posted uh, yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> and two of them are me. Uh, so there's that. One of the other things they announced, though, that got my attention, and I think yours too, Visual C++ for Linux development. Yes. So yes. you basically do your development on your Windows desktop, but you can you can send the projects off to a remote Linux system, have them built there. And even for ARM processors, if they're ARM. And this coupled with having the, uh, the Ubuntu Bash thing, which, by the way, I have no idea why it's Ubuntu-specific. <laughs> We're going to talk about it. We'll talk about it. I'm saving it. I got, I got oh, a few thoughts on it. Yeah, that's, that's oh, coming up oh. next. Yeah. yeah. Okay, see, I got it. Uh, I, I g- see synergy. You know, yeah. I've, I've been, yeah, yeah. Okay, I got it in there, Satish. Uh, <laughs> uh, interesting. So they're getting, they're, they're getting closer and closer to uh, making it easy to write software and deploy to Linux at least. Uh, and I did notice a tweet saying that uh, Buccaneer Tech <gasps> would be offering Zamarian devel- or Xamarin development as a – I think it's Zamarian – uh, as first development, as first tier starting today, I think you're pretty pumped. I think yeah, you're pumped. I, I th- you know, our strategy has changed from if someone calls and says, hey, can you do a Xamarin app, where we kind of counsel them and talk them out of it, much like the suicide hotline. Um, now we're saying, okay, no. 
that was a joke. <laughs> but I'm so, bummed by you know. uh, Yeah, no, I'm, I'm pretty pumped because you know what? I just like it. Okay. No, I, I'm curious. Awesome. Now. I'm actually really excited to see where you take it now. So. In two months when I'm angry about it, I'm sure you <laughs> about it. <laughs> All right, let me take a second before we jump into the Ubuntu Bash and more. There's actually, that's that's not all. Uh, we want to take a second and thank Linux Academy. They have a great platform for you to learn all of the technologies around Linux and Linux itself. And, you know, it's always interesting if you're an expert, it's good to go through some of these and relearn some of the uh, fundamentals. Because sometimes you've maybe learned a certain way of doing things that could actually use a little refreshing. Or if you sometimes get a little anxious when you have to go do something in production for the first time. Linux Academy is great for that. They have scenario-based labs that put you in the middle of common day, everyday types of experiences and environments. They have seven-plus distros you choose from in the courseware and the virtual machines they spin up on demand. Automatically adjust to whichever, whichever one you want. Instructor mentoring is available if you get stuck. And I just take a minute and think about that from like a, gee, this is, this is really some pretty technical content. This is stuff that a lot of online learning resources try to get right. And it, they just fundamentally fail at it because their head's not in it. They just don't live and breathe it. That's, you know, that's the difference with Linux Academy. But then imagine getting instructors to match that. That's why that's so impressive. They have graded server exercises, which makes so much sense. You know, you can get in there, you log into the lab server, you perform specific tasks in Linux Academy, which automatically grades your actions right there. It's nice and convenient. They have a great st- stack of technologies, and you would think, geez, with all of that to cover, they're going to need a lot of people to keep it up to date and add new stuff. Well, you're right. And uh, they're adding staff. They're investing big in their infrastructure right now, big in their company right now. And you can check them out. They are – they're really worth your time. LinuxAcademy.com slash coders. Go there. Support the show. If there is something with OpenStack or PHP or Python or anywhere in Linux or specifically the Red Hat certified courses, and man, people are just – check out their blog. People are just rocking the AWS courseware and getting certified left and right. They had a huge month of, uh, of, for that, for AWS specifically. Ruby, DevOps, Android development, all of it. Go check it out. LinuxAcademy.com slash coders and a big thank you. To Linux Academy. Go there, support the show by visiting that website. Just type it in right now to your web browser and help us by going to linuxacademy.com slash coders. Visiting that website lets them know that you heard about it here and you appreciate them supporting our program. As we near 200 episodes, it's that kind of support that has kept us going and our great sponsors. So thank you to everybody for uh, helping us out. linuxacademy.com slash coders. Okay, so we've been teasing it all episode. Windows 10 is soon going to let you run Ubuntu apps from the command line. Uh, they're adding uh, a Linux subsystem to Windows, which uh, they're not calling the Ubuntu subsystem. They're calling it the Linux subsystem, which is enabling you to run the Ubuntu user land. Uh, Dustin Kirkland from Canonical even packaged it up in the APPX file and uploaded it to the Windows store. And uh, off it goes for people to download an entire root file system for, of Ubuntu and then run something that is not quite emulation. It's more akin to translation, I believe of some form. It's an interesting beast. And you know, Mike, I think it's directly aimed at guys like you. Oh, what? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because because you've, you've, you've enjoyed the Ubuntu experience. You know, the command line has been a great part of that. Uh, they all, But they also have a great suite of development tools uh, with, with, some, with some obvious attractions to it. And the Mac platform, you know, a big problem with the Mac platform is your hardware choice is extremely limited. If you wanted today to get an eight, a genuine like eight core or even twelve core Mac, you'd have to go get a, like a you'd have to go buy like a four thousand dollar Mac Pro trash can, which literally has not been updated for three years. Has ancient graphics cards, has like two or three generation old Intel uh, Xeon processors in it. It is it is ripe for updating, and it's the only way you could get. It's like if you wanted if you wanted a, a modern graphics cards for maybe a project you're working on, you couldn't do it. You could not do it on the Mac platform right now. So, having power over your own build is extremely attractive when you're building for certain workloads. And Windows is sitting here saying, "Look, you can install Windows on that. You get the Visual Studio tools. You get all of our nice Azure stuff." You get a nice, uh, uh, um, a popular commercial platform that a lot of people like with Cortana built into it. And now, and now you want a you want a good command line. Now you got Bash, the best one too, with all the popular Ubuntu apps. And this is looking at guys like you right now who are working on an Ubuntu desktop, thinking, 
man, there's not really a Mac that fits my price point and my workload. I don't really want. Uh, I don't really want to buy another Mac right now. But but uh, but maybe an eight hundred dollar Windows laptop or a thousand dollar Windows laptop that is pretty well spec that you could now run Ubuntu applications on, proprietary applications like Photoshop, and obviously Visual Studio and the Ubuntu apps. I think they're saying, Mr. Dominic, we just updated Windows ten for you. For me? Oh, for me? Which makes me a little sad because. It's still Windows. You know, at the end of the day, it's still Windows. It still has all the weird – like why – there's so many things – I'm not even – I won't even get into a rant about it. But there's so many little little things with Windows that would actually make it more attractive to technical people and developers if they change that. This seems like a weird way to go. This is like this is what you go with. This is the thing you improve upon. It doesn't dramatically change that much because in the past you had Sigwin. Which wasn't great, but you had it. And you had SSH terminals to uh, uh, theoretically a very powerful VPS that would be offloading a lot of the workload anyways for you. So I, I, it doesn't seem like a huge improvement. It doesn't seem like a big game changer, but it seems like it could for, for, some, for some people like in your particular scenario be very attractive. It's interesting, right? I mean the word that comes to mind when I read this article and I heard about this uh, – this new, let's call it feature, maybe, is it a feature? <laughs> I guess. Was fragile, right? Mm. Like, it doesn't seem like a bash on Windows is going to make a ton of sense for a very long time, right? Like, I, I mean, is it just translating, you know, Unixy commands on the command line over to the... No, no, it is, uh, it is, it is literally at the syscall level to, uh, it is, so when, when the Linux syscalls come in, they get converted to, they get sort of, they get translated to Windows syscalls and they get executed to the, to the kernel, they get sent to the kernel or whatever they're, whatever. Um, it's, it's more akin to reverse wine, where you where when you run a Windows right. application under Linux, it takes the Windows calls and, and translates them to Linux calls. Um, Dustin Kirkland, his his comment was, "It's it's as fast as hot shit. It's really fast." He says it's near native fast. I'm I'm sure it's good. My my question is, what am I using this for on a desktop? Well, in the past, they did have Unix services in the past, and you would right. use it for like NFS utilities and things like that. On the desktop, I you know what I would use it for is uh, you you will get apt-get. Uh, you will get uh, th- you will get all of the you know the ls uh, ping. Okay, but if I install something with aptitude because I'm old and that's what I call it, um, what is it? Uh, what's the user land for the Ubuntu stuff then? Is it some sort of weird? This is what I understand. It's an Ubuntu fourteen oh four file system with Bash. So but it's, it's a- not virtualized at all. No. It's, it's, so there's, it's, there's it's literally a directory that's like – It's contained in the app bundle I, is my understanding. And then what it does is it mounts your different – like your C drive and your D drive and your E drive or whatever under the mount directory in the, in the Ubuntu file system. So it is literally binary. I, I don't understand this move for the client at all. I, I, I kind of get it for the server because, you know, they have to. Well, in my estimation, it's, it's targeted at, you know, remember, what was it, uh, three weeks ago or whatever, I can't remember now, we covered the uh, Stack Overflow survey and, like, almost the entire world identified as a full-stack web developer. Remember that? Like, it was, like, this huge category. And yeah. that's who I think they're going for is somebody who is writing something that's going to run on an Ubuntu server, which well, is pretty I, much anybody I, writing for AWS or Rackspace or an OpenStack environment or DigitalOcean or Linode or, you know, it's I mean, there's CentOS and others, but a vast majority of them, if you're writing a full-stack web application, you're writing it for a, something that's going to be running on top of an Ubuntu machine. Also, I was using Azure last night, and it's terrible, but <laughs> really bad. I mean, the new UI is awful. I just wanted to set Laura up with a freaking WordPress website. Oh. And it's like, use our WordPress one-click installer. I'm like, okay, great. Because, you know, they mailed us all these, like, you know, $500 Azure or whatever. And I'm like, all right, well, she wants a website. You know, let me just get her a website for free. The installer, like, failed three times. It's their installer. <laughs> I kept all the default options. <laughs> It's hard, Mike. You I know. ended up spinning up a DO droplet for it because I got frustrated after two hours of trying to set up WordPress. Yeah, yeah. I was like, Jesus. But anyway, I so I look at this as now. their move. That's their move, um, and I don't yeah, think it's a big so, game changer. But I think I, it's. A- I, 
Right, but I really am their target, right? Because I'm not super platform religious, mm-hmm. right? I mm-hmm. try everything out. But why don't um, you use Windows now? It gets it gets annoying to use so, after a while. So there, there's two or three thing reasons I don't use Windows. Um, although it is tempting to use Windows because I also like gaming. Yeah. I They're right on one, the command line. Yeah. It does I, have I, the worst command line. I don't know PowerShell, is, but... PowerShell's better, but I have like this whole library of stuff that I do. The thing is, though, is they need a whole new terminal too. So maybe they, maybe there's somebody who'll create a, a better terminal. But the command prompt is even if you're running Bash in it, it's still like the, like the worst terminal of all of the desktops. Well, even PowerShell's, OS... PowerShell's actually good. No, I'm just talking about the command prompt. The command. You mean the, you mean the old command? Yeah, no, I'm no, I'm talking about the window. The the oh. actual like like it's a bad terminal application. Yeah, it's they need a better terminal application if you're going to have a good ter- – now that now you have a good shell, you need a better terminal app. Um, I've always found Windows development environments to be a little fragile. Yeah. Uh, the But the other big thing, of course, is all the Apple stuff. Now, having said that, you know, I don't – you know, my fear would be this kind of tool would definitely make it easier for me to move my workflow over to – if I – for some reason, wanted to do that, a Windows environment. But I, I just don't see this as something that's going to be super supported on the client for very long, right? Mm. I definitely get it on the server side, right, especially because of Azure and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, I, I feel like if I wanted to really dev on Windows, I'd have to learn PowerShell at best. And I'd still kind of not be happy, right? I mean, my issue with Mac is that I'm bored, but I'm also extremely efficient on right. Mac OS. Right. right. Well, because, I, if, if yeah. between the two, I think Mac OS is a better OS than uh, Windows I, is. I, I agree with that. Um, you know, I, the only thing Windows has going for me is that I really, really want to play Kotar. Yeah, yeah. Right, and, uh, like, and, I, and I can't. Yeah. But I successfully I, whine just a few of the games I would actually like to be able to play. I tried. I don't have the uh, the, the hardware to whine Kotar. yeah. So, uh, I okay, all right. So, uh, let's talk about something just real quick before you go, though. So, you were taking a look, uh, trying to figure out if OneDrive had, like, some sort of JSON REST API. Uh, and you actually, you actually got a reply with a good answer. And this is what I was talking about earlier in the show when I said this is what sort of is making the Microsoft solutions attractive is they are paying people to sit on Twitter uh, at all hours of the night and day and answer people's random questions and link them to stuff that a Google search would have found. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was. But you actually got so you got a you had a you had a OneDrive API question, and you actually literally got a reply from the OneDrive API Twitter account. Apparently, there's an there's a there's a Twitter account specifically for the OneDrive API, which is just incredible to me. Like they have they have so many Twitter accounts, and they have so many people managing them that they actually have specifically one just for the API. (laughs) I also learned something very interesting about the product known as OneDrive. Oh oh oh. So so one. This is awesome, right? This is how Microsoft could win hearts and minds back. But do you know that there are two OneDrives? So the link I sent on Twitter was to apparently Office for Business OneDrive or whatever, which is basically SharePoint. So what was happening is I was using what? the documentation for that. That's confusing. Now, this is also Microsoft's problem. This is kind of crap all the time. Right, and I was trying to hit what it, what I, what, what turns out that I have, which is consumer OneDrive, which is a totally different product. So when you say OneDrive, there is a beautiful REST API for the consumer OneDrive. When, but if it's a business, like an enterprise type thing, they still call their, their file solution, right? It's basically Dropbox. They call it OneDrive, but behind the scenes, it's actually a radically different product. <laughs> so, so a radically different API. <laughs> right. Yeah, well, which explained a lot of my issues. Mm-hmm. But you know, this is, I mean, you know, because I'm poking a little bit of fun at them, but really, for the position that they're in, they've lost so much mind share of developers to, you know, on the on the back end to Linux, and, and on the front end, the workstations people are using to OS X. This is how they're going to get people back, right? If you ask Apple a question on Twitter, they're like, yeah, that's nice. If you know when you if you ask I'll Apple or or you file like a radar, you you do anything like that. What you get from Apple is. Yeah, they, they don't answer. They they may acknowledge they've received your bug report. Wait, a bug in the UI kit? No, no, no. Yeah, yeah. Clearly you're mistaken. Close. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Hmm. Well, so uh, before we go, Voldy Man wrote in. He said, uh, I'm in the exact opposite position 
as Mike. Being a longtime Linux user, contributor, desktop, and app developer, my laptop, my primary machine died last week, and I got a hand-me-down MacBook Air. It's a 2014 model. It was manufactured the same year as my laptop, but has a slower processor and less RAM, and is equally priced. I just love this machine for the quality of hardware and software. Having used Linux for almost seven years now, I never bought any desktop app, not because I didn't want to, but just because there was none to buy. Sublime came close, but I love Emacs. uh, Less than six days on the Mac, I've bought Airmail too. Now I'm learning OS X app development to make some stuff that I miss. By the way, you guys didn't discuss AppImage plus custom updaters for Linux distributing apps. That's true. AppImage could be something you could look into to distribute apps. I have talked about it on Unplugged. Uh, so he's in, the, he's in the other way. So while you're on your Linux experiment, he's been on a Mac experiment. And you know what that really tells me is we all just move around all the time because we're geeks and we get hey. bored or there's – the green – the grass looks greener or et cetera, et cetera, metaphor, metaphor, right? Yeah. I mean I don't know too many people doing the Windows experiment. <laughs> well, well, you know, that's true. Uh, well, I, mean, I have done Windows experiments like I did the Windows 10 review for a while or you know, I'll boot in there to try it. Actually, I, I'm I tempted do to do a Windows 10 challenge, but the problem is it requires hardware. Yeah. Yeah, because you're going to want a gaming – see, the problem is what could get you is gaming. I don't right. Know, that would me, right? Like if could I get you. Had, Oh, dude, nice of the old Republic Online is calling to me. <sighs> so uh, if you'd like to email the show, go over to jupiterbroadcasting.com slash contact. And uh, when you go over there, do me a solid and choose Coda Radio from the dropdown and send in your uh, your questions, your comments, etc. Or you can visit the subreddit over at CodaRadio.reddit.com. Mr. Dominic, is there anything else we want to cover on this week's episode of the Coda Radio program? There is not, and I will see you guys next week. Ooh, epic, because you know what that is. Next week is episode 200. Now, check the calendar to see when we're live over at jupiterbroadcasting.com slash calendar, because you never know what could be going on in the month of April. But I hope you join us next week for episode 200. It's going to be a big one. We're fired up. I got the, I got the band here. Uh, I think Obama might be flying in. We're still waiting to find out last-minute kind of stuff. But we'll see you right back here next week. Next week.